Hello everybody, welcome back to the second episode of the Maine Fly Fishing Podcast Fish Series. In this episode, Greg and I talk about landlocked salmon, arguably Maine's most fun freshwater fish to catch on a fly rod. This episode is being released a little later than we wanted to, but there's still some time to get out there and catch your best salmon of the season. The river crowds are lightening up as folks are trading their waders in for their blaze orange clothing, and with unseasonably warm temperatures, it's very likely you can still get into these fish on dry flies which is a little bit crazy to think about in the month of November. We really hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the second episode of the Maine Fly Fishing Podcast Fish Series. I'm Aaron Broadus, and I'm here with my unofficial co-host, Greg Labonte. What's going on, man? Not much. Happy to be back. Talking about salmon, excited for that. So you've been fishing a lot. I have been fishing quite a bit, so <laughs> probably more than I should be, I suppose. But yeah, yeah. Why is that? Because it's hunting season, or because you're yeah. supposed to be busy with other stuff? Yeah, I guess kind of both. You know, I I love November because everyone goes and you know chases deer around, and so the river is open for me. I rarely see anyone, and it's fantastic. So that's right. And uh, in a minute here, I'll, re- I'll reveal the fish that we're talking about today. Um, but these are nice fish to chase during that month, don't you agree? Absolutely. I think it's one of the best months to chase them. Yep. For sure. I agree. So, uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking about the controversial real king of the main freshwater fishing scene, the landlocked salmon. Uh, we're going to talk about what types of body of water you can find landlocked salmon in, as well as what seasons are best, what techniques are most useful, and what flies salmon cannot get enough of. So we decided we were kind of hashing this out before we started, and Greg and I decided we're gonna we're gonna talk about um, we're gonna kind of start off with the springtime. Um, that's my favorite time to fish for salmon. A lot of people say it's the fall; they love the fall, but I really love the spring season. So um, let's talk about the spring, and let's start with rivers. Let's start with rivers. Sure, let's start with rivers. Okay. Why are they crazy abundant in rivers in the springtime? Obviously, the smelt run. That is king. That's the first thing that brings them in, yep. the smelt run. And, you know, if you've ever seen a smelt, they're pretty big. Like, some of them are pretty big, you know, like six, seven, like monster ones that are like even eight inches long. So I usually see ones that are four or five, but I know what you're talking about. You know, yeah, the, ones, yeah, there so. are some massive ones, but usually right there, you know, but they're still chunky, you know, you see them floating down river or whatever. So right. smelts come in. It depends on the river. It's different for each river. You know what I mean? But usually somewhere later April, mid to late April to early May is usually a good bet. It has to do with ice out, right? has to do with ice out. If it's, you know, of course, if it's an earlier spring, then they'll be running up a little earlier. Water temperature. Take a temperature. And, like, there's, I don't want to say a temperature and be like, hey, if it hits, you know, 49.5 degrees, the smelts are going to be running. What you should do is you should take water temperatures of the river and see what's happening. So let's say you go to you know, one of a, whatever, a river that has a great smelt run and you take a temperature and it's 48 degrees and there's no smelts running. And then you come back the next week and it's 54 degrees and there's just smelts loaded all over the place. Then, you know, 
all right, 54 degrees seems to be the sweet spot for that river. Sure. You know? And it'll vary for each river, but that's a great way to, like, all right, it's the time. I need to be throwing a smelt streamer. So that comes with time, though. Obviously, you can't learn that in a year. It takes a couple of years. But, like, you know, if you're going to keep coming back, you might as well be armed with some knowledge of the river. Sure. And, and in terms of seeing smelt in the water, do you see a lot during the day? Because I know that nighttime is a fantastic time to kind of check some of the, uh, what, the tribs and stuff mm-hmm. for them. Yeah. They move at night primarily. Gotcha. So when they're moving, like actually moving upstream, they typically move at night. I mean, not to say that you won't see one during the day. Of course, we've all seen them, you know, during the day. Yep. But they're much more active at night for obvious reasons, you know, cover of darkness. But um, the biggest thing that they're really looking for, salmon are looking for, they're not looking for the healthiest smelts. They're looking for the dead ones floating down or the weak ones that aren't going to make it, you know, up the spawning migration, right? Sure. They're looking for those. So... I really, when I tie a fly or I'm using a smell pattern, I really want it to imitate a wounded one. So there are times when you can strip it really fast, you know, and it'll work and whatever. Basically, if you've ever seen a bait fish die, I don't know if you've ever seen one die. I've never seen one like... Like you mean like I'm holding it and it dies? Or? No, like see it in a tank or something. Oh die. no, no, I have not. No. When you watch a bait fish die, it has really quick like spasms. So like the bait fish will like move a couple feet really, really quickly, like unnaturally quickly, you know, yeah. and then it will like twitch and then it will book again and then it will twitch or whatever. And so if you're fishing a smelt pattern, don't be afraid to like make it go crazy basically yep. because salmon are keying in on that behavior like you're talking like a strip strip and yeah like let it flow right like strip really fast and then stop let it like do its thing in the current strip really fast stop because salmon are keying in on that behavior it's a trigger to say that's you know that's a dying fish i can eat that it's yep. going to be an easy meal i don't need to expend a lot of energy i can eat that right so the the fly that you pick to imitate your smelt there's like eight million out there right <laughs> it's true though. there's like eight million out yeah. there i mean I've, like everybody knows like the black ghost is super popular of right? course gray ghost and super I've, popular. i've even heard of people i've never i don't think i've ever caught one this way but obviously on your first cast with a marabou fly you throw mm-hmm. it out there yeah and what does it do it just sits on top of the water like a big right? puffy balloon yeah right? and sometimes they'll take it that way yes. though, which yeah. is kind of crazy because it doesn't have that slim profile yet that mm-hmm. it does when it gets yeah. wet so and I I don't really have a super favorite. I made one um, recently, a hollow fly one, mm-hmm. that is on my Instagram page that has been, has produced well for me. And it really matches like the profile of the smelt mm-hmm. and pushes the same amount of water as a smelt would. Is it a big one? It's like probably five inches. Yeah, yeah so it's good it's size. good size. Like it's a big, you'd be, you know, if you're fishing for salmon, you'd be like, yeah, that's a big salmon. That's a big uh, streamer to throw at them. But um, you've, if you've, you know, I'm sure you've caught a fish where it pukes up a fish and you're like. In the spring all the time, man. Right. And you're Rookies like. and salmon. Right. And you're like, they're mad, they're big. They're, yeah. they're like, they're big. And smells. you feel their belly, yes. right? Yes. And it's like loaded, loaded with them. Like right. you can literally feel them through their skin. Right. Crazy. So I think that. <laughs> Um, if you're going to fish a smelt streamer um, in the spring, which is obviously, you know, you should do it if you want to catch a big salmon because it's a huge meal. Like they've just come from the lake 
or all winter in the river, and they've been eating, like, size 28 midges. You know what I mean? Little tiny things. And so here's their ticket to fatten up, you know, because their reserves are running on empty. So springtime, first spring, like, the you know, the first time you go out to fish, smelt streamer. Yep. That's my, like, go-to. It's most people's go-to because it works, you know, sure. because it works for sure. I've even heard stories of people will say, like, you know, the smelt are running underneath the ice sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that's all temperature dependent, though, really, right? Yes, for day. sure, for sure. I've even seen guys stick a long PVC pipe. Have you ever heard of this? Underneath the ice. So they'll, okay, so I'll tell this is a small, I guess this is probably a local thing. but So they attach a smelt to the end of a PVC pipe and like just catch the line with the uh, rubber band, right? And so they'll shove like 50 feet, 60 feet of PVC pipe underneath the ice and then pull on the line, pull on the line. It will release it from the rubber band and your smelt will be swimming. It's when the edges go. Yeah. But so you can't go ice fish. Right. And you can't cast. Right. So you shove PVC. Yeah, it's pretty it's it's neat. That's a that's really, a side that's a side story, I suppose. But it's that's neat. That's really yeah. interesting. Yeah, it's a it's very, very effective technique. So yeah. that's uh yeah. But well I mean you can't quite get out there with a boat yet because right. there's not right? really yeah, any water. It's, it's it's uh I'll say you it's can't m- sit on the ice. It's more of a I don't want to say it's more of a blue collar technique, I would say. Yeah. I don't see a lot of white collar guys doing that technique, no. so <laughs> It's uh, it's interesting. I've done it before, so I, I can't, you know, I can't knock it. It's very effective. It works. But yeah. not fly fishing, obviously. I'm sure you could actually do it with a fly. You probably could do that, send the PVC pipe out with your fly, and then pull it, you know, yeah. pull it back. You probably could, so. So usually, uh, what are we talking here? We're talking usually the first week of May through the second week of May. Like those, just those first couple weeks in May are usually yep. get up in the north country, right? Yes, yeah. If you're going up north. You know, after, yeah, May 15th, then I'm probably not reaching for a smelt streamer f- right off the bat. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'll probably still try it if nothing's working. Yeah. Because that... It's a short window, though. Yes. Oh, it's extremely short. Yeah. And that's why, like, you really need to gather all the information that you can when you find it. Yeah. Because it, they're there and then they're gone. You know what I mean? And they move, the smelts move so frequently and they're trying to, you know, they're trying to spawn. They're trying to get a job done and then head on back to the lake. You know, they don't, they don't want to be in the river. They hate it because, you know, what isn't eating a smelt when it's in the river? You know, animals, fish, people, you know, like. Birds probably too. Right, everything. It's easy picking for them, so. So, yeah, so if you find a good smelt run and you find a smelt pattern that looks good and you, you like it and it matches it and it works, then. Take take notes, like take serious amounts of notes, temperature, time, even like little things like how big are the the leaves of a certain plant or yeah. something like that, you know, like just really... And the trees budding, yeah. Right, like as many as yeah. many details as you possibly can because right. they, things tend to follow in line each year yeah. and if you can just figure out those pieces, then you can have a much more successful uh, fishing expedition. For it's sure. what I love about Maine too though is you get like... You just get these short windows to do certain types of fishing. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I mean, yes, can you catch fish in the summertime on smell? Yeah, you can. Of course, yeah. But it's it's like you get this window where it's just like that's the biomass in the water, right? Yeah. Like that's oh, yeah. what's mostly there, and that's what they're feeding on. I really loved. I love that about Maine. It's like you can't just, you know, I think out west you can hopper fish for like 
six weeks, eight weeks or something <laughs> crazy like that. Yeah, you can't do that here. No, I no. mean, you just get these short little windows for different yep. types of fishing. And yep. I, I like that about Maine, you know, and you got to have a mm-hmm. lot of tools in your box. So, yeah, yeah. Um, about ponds in the springtime? Ponds in the springtime. So, again, it's all dependent on ice out. And, mm-hmm. then, you know, in the north, like, ice out could be, you know, late May or can mid, be, you know, yeah. it can be like, yeah. you know, so. Ponds in the spring, again, if the salmon are chasing the smelts upriver, you know, you're, the inlets. you're better off, yeah, look for the inlets, look for the outlets, and you're almost better off fishing the actual river than the lake, you know, sure. and not every single salmon in the lake is going to run up into the river, you know what I mean? Like, there will still be some, so you can still go into the lake and chuck a smelt streamer around, yeah. and you'll still be successful doing that. Yeah, and it's funny, because I've read, you know, I've, I've never really done this, because I don't have the patience for it, but a lot of people will fish... That time of year, they'll fish like sinking lines, right? And they mm-hmm. do like the, uh, they call it like the clock method. You know, you're in a canoe, you cast the yeah. one o'clock, and you let it sink, and you count to thirty or sixty mm-hmm. or ninety or whatever, yeah. and then you strip it back, and then you go to two o'clock, mm-hmm. and then you do the same thing at three o'clock, right? Yeah. And like you anchor your canoe off. Like I just don't have the patience for that type of fishing. Yeah, uh, you and me both. But most yeah. salmon in ponds, from from my experience, mm-hmm. um, are usually taken subsurface on streamers. Yes, for sure. A yeah. lot of the time. Same, same from my experience. You know, I'm... Even when there's dry flies, out, like, yes. even when there's caddis yeah. and yeah. flies, like, they'll still... And not that they won't take stuff on top. But of course, yeah, yeah. They'll still take a lot of streamer patterns. Yes, and I think that's probably because they're, you know, I think it's probably dependent on what's in the lake. And if there is a good smell population, then, you know, that's the holy grail of food for a salmon yep. is, you know, a smelt, so... What colors do you like in your smell patterns? I am a traditionalist for sure, or a naturalist, I guess I should say. I didn't know that. Purple, blue, <laughs> and white. There you go. <laughs> and a dark back. There you go. <laughs> so my smelt pattern, the one that I, the hollow fly one, is, you know, is made to basically look exactly like a main smelt. Yeah. And, you know, that's... White, anything white, obviously. I like them in white. I don't really, a lot of people have like oranges and, you know, reds and blues and what, like, you know, it's, I, I, I just, I just try to match it as much as you can. As yeah. much as I can. And, yeah. you know, if you look at a smelt, purple is a big color in yeah. their, you know, in their profile. However, when they're in the water, it's not as big. You know, like if you're looking at it from a fish's point of view, the purple is not as reflective. The only reason it's reflective is because you're holding it in your hand with the sun beating down on it. Because they don't, you know, if you're a smelt, you obviously don't want a big purple flashing sign on your side. Like, hey, look at me, you know. So um, They're probably darker than we think. Yes, they are are much darker. So I try to incorporate a lot of black into it. Um, Just keeping, the most important thing, I think, is the profile. Yeah. You know, like, smelts have a very particular profile. You know, they're pretty narrow and it basically maintains that narrowness for quite a while like they don't you know brook trout gets fat in the middle and then skinny at the tail yeah smelts are like the same size for a yeah for the a same while. diameter the whole way right through. so you want something that you know they remind me like a finger like your index finger yes. or something like, like the yeah. same kind so, of. so you want to fly that kind of imitates that yeah you know what i mean so you don't want a strong taper you know yeah. you want so that's what i try to do what's funny is i fished my regular spots this year with smelt patterns and i tried a new one out called a skittish smolt and it's a very it's got a lot of silver flashaboo in it mm, yeah um and then it has like gray ostrich hurl like around the head it has a big cone head on it like a silver cone head yep 
I did not do as well as I have in the in the years with my traditional white patterns. That I was oh, wearing, okay, so. interesting. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. interesting. Yeah, I, interesting. I was like, oh, I got to try this because you know every year it's like you can keep doing what you do and yeah. be happy with that. But I'm a I'm kind of a guy who likes to try new stuff out every yes, year. Yes, for sure. Sometimes it bombs and sometimes it works. Yeah. For me, it didn't work great this year. Yeah, I wonder. But. I uh, I wonder if I have a. Um, I have an article coming out very soon. I won't spoil it, but I have one coming out. And basically it's a, about that situation that you just described. And uh, <laughs> I... You change things up, you're saying? I ponder a lot on the topic of, yeah. of whether or not my feelings are accurate. You know? Who knows? You know? All right, well, that's that's a good Everybody's qu- that's question. Everybody's different, though. That's a question. Everybody's that's, different. That's, that's the question. Well, so, I won't ruin it. I won't ruin it for you. Um, sure. Appreciate it. I, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's funny because every year, you know, I do like to try to go out and do the same thing at the same spots. Of course. Yeah. But then there's something in me that likes to explore and find yeah. new spots. And yeah. I like to try new patterns out. Yeah, and get away from people. And get away from people sometimes, yeah, because yeah, some yeah. guys get a little, little too busy. But um, what do you, uh, what are your techniques when you fish smelts? How do you like to fish them? So, really... For streamer fishing, there's really only a few techniques. You know what I mean? There's, you know, it's you're true. limited to a few. But for smelts, um, the first one that I always try is dead drifting. Yeah. Trying to imitate a dead smelt drifting down in the current. You yeah. know, and that's for me my most successful. And I don't know if that's because I'm more confident fishing it that way. You know, or my presentation is a little bit better. I mean, it's um, very natural because yeah. I see them. Right. Like, right. But again, when I say see them, there's like a short window. Yes. And I've course. never fished like every day for two weeks straight in May. Like I, yes. don't, I don't have the time yes. at this point in my life. But I have. And you have. I have. Yes. Because you're done. Yes. Because, uh, you know, I got, I got the time. Out. So like, yeah, school's out. And so I have had the time to do that. But and it's not like an everyday occurrence though, is it? Or is it for like that, for like that week? Like you just see floaters. Yeah. The, when it's like peak time, it's... Yeah, there, cool. you know, it's there. Like, you can just do that every single day. Yeah. But as soon as it's done, like, it's done. You know and you kind of want, in, in um, when you're talking about you're doing floating, or you're, you're fishing dead drift smells, yeah. are you doing floating, or are you below the surface? How far? Um, I have always done better with, like, just below the film, you know? So like, two inches down. Yeah, yeah. I, I never, like, basically throwing a streamer on a floating line. Yeah. I... The floating smelts that like are sitting way up on top like a dry fly. Yeah. Like I the find, foam ones. Yes. Yeah. The hook your success in hooking them is slim, you know, because they just rock it out and they just try to obliterate it. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not I don't have, you know, three hooks on there. I don't have a treble hook on there. So like, you know, if your hook's not in exactly where they drill it, you know, then you don't so the hook rate's not great. So I try not to do that just because it's cool to see a salmon come up and, you know, hit a floating smelt, but, right. you know. Well, it's also tied with a very rigid body on it. Very rigid. And the, the hook's usually in the middle of the yeah. body. Yeah. Whereas if you have a streamer, the body's not so rigid, so they right. can probably mouth it a lot better, yeah, so right? it collapses, right. They probably come off a lot on, on those long tails. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so. There's all kinds of arguments with that fly, though, like the floating smelt fly. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. So, but, you know, it's a great, it's a great pattern. I mean, fish love it. Yeah. You know, it's not... But yeah, so I, I I dead drift and then, you know, I pretty much dead drift and then the swing where it's not tumbling in the water but almost swimming through the water. You yeah. know, you're kind of like a fish swimming across the current. 
Yep. You know, that, that I find is effective too. And then the double, you know, a double, uh, handed strip too. Like when I'm trying to just, so really fast. Oh yeah. I'm like, you know, put, tuck the rod in the armpit and just like two hands. Striker strip, style. Strip. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Then, I was, I was on this really big, like Kelly Gallup, like kick a couple years ago and like all of his streamer flies and stuff. And he's, he, he loves to cast upstream mm-hmm. and then strip back really fast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to letting it go downstream and bring it back up, yeah. well, and I can tell you, dude, I've had some success on on uh, on smelts that way in the spring, which is really interesting. Yeah, well, it's more natural. You never see a fish, you know, bolting it for long distances, a hundred feet upstream. Yeah, I have seen him bolting downstream though. Sure, obviously, because it's not hard to swim downstream. So I'm sure that the fish see that as well. I'm sure they see fish bolting downstream. Yeah, like you're not gonna find a lone smelt by itself just right. cruising up the like river. Just cranking up, you right. know, like you know But we fish that way because it's very easy. Easy. Right. It's yeah. Easy. It's yeah. the easiest yeah. way. Yeah. You gotta bring yeah. your line back in so you figure, well why not strip it right. in putt? Exactly. But fishing yeah. upstream and actually stripping back to you, which is a little more work, mm-hmm. it has been effective yeah. for me. Yeah. I've, I yeah yeah it absolutely is. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so let's talk. Let's talk what happens after that. So the temperatures are warming up. Um, bugs are becoming more abundant in the mm-hmm. water, and then kind of the the Hendrickson's going to show up, right? Mm-hmm. And then the caddis start showing up along after that. Yeah. What's your favorite way to fish? Uh, kind of like Memorial Day ish, right? And sure. After. So Memorial Day, um, a lot of people want to chuck eggs around, and Obviously, you know I'm opposed to that. Well, because there's a sucker spawn. Yes, and, but all over the place. Really. Salmon are much different than brook trout. Yeah, they go in different places. Yeah. So all those places where people are catching those, you know, those brook trout right behind the suckers, there might be a few salmon mixed in there, but they don't always follow the suckers like the brook trout do. Yeah, they're not, for whatever reason. I don't know. Maybe it's because they're more aggressive on the smelt and they pile up more. I don't know, but they're not. As well, they don't always hold in the same type of water as brookies no, either. they I, don't. I think this time of year is when you start seeing, like, you know, the edges of the fast water, you find more brookies. But sometimes you find salmon right in the fast water. Yeah. Like, so once Memorial Day rolls around, you know, the end of May, that area, salmon start looking for, like, faster water. They look for faster water. And... Why is that, though? Are they, like, a more... Because they're more of a lean fish, too, like... Sure, yep. They definitely aren't as They don't mind fighting that current as much as brookies are kind of lazy, I guess you could say. Their metabolism is a lot different than brook trout's. Yeah. And basically, their metabolism is faster, and so they need more food per second. And so if you're fitting... If you're swimming in slower water, you're not going to see as many bugs per second. So... Makes sense. Just out of, you know, basically logistics salmon need to be in an area where there's a lot of bugs and that's in a faster current so you typically find them there they're also built for faster current right and that's just their through their evolution and obviously you know if your metabolism speed up then the ones that are more you know bullet like are gonna survive and so they have so now they get the nickname silver bullet because one they're just uh, crazy energetic so people obviously when they fire, you know, if you catch a salmon in the spring, they will jump, you know, yep. like crazy, you yep. know, they'll jump. So shot out kind of like a bullet. Also their appearance, they're silver and they're not like brook trout are so girthy, you know, in the middle, like they have that big, but salmon, yeah, big belly. they don't really have that bully. They're much more streamlined, you know? And so right. when they're in that fast current, you know, so if it's Memorial Day 
um, or the beginning of June, like those slow, calm pools probably aren't holding very many salmon. Yep. So if you're really looking to catch a salmon, I would look for like water where you're almost like, that might be too fast to fish. Yep. I might feel uncomfortable stepping out into that because there's probably salmon holding in it. Right. You know, like. So you fish on the edge of that fast water still though. Like you're not ripping, you know, you're not letting your indicator or you're probably nymphing a lot that, that time of year. Yes, right? that and time for sure nymphing. You're not letting it rip through really fast stuff, but you're trying to find that, that, that kind of soft water on the fastest, on the side of something that you're like, wow, this looks a little too quick. Yeah. I, yes and no. I, I'm still going right through the rips. Yeah. I'm like, I don't care. Cause they're, I know that they're in the. I've caught fish. them in really fast stuff yes. in early oh, yeah. spring like that, man. And they're in there. Whoa. You're like, what are you doing there? You yeah. know what I mean? But that's just how they're built. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, they look at brook trout sitting in a slow pool like, what are you doing? You they're so I mean? cool, too, because they're like, they're like, um, when you get one on, it's like you pretty much know you have one on every time. And and I have clients right. who've never fished in Maine, mm-hmm. and they will, you know, as soon as they get a fish, I go, okay, if it jumps, it's most likely a salmon. <laughs> and if it goes right to the bottom and it's, bulldogs, right. it, it's pretty much a brookie. Yeah. Now, do they always do that? No. No, but, but a majority lot of the times. Time, yeah. And if you're looking to catch a salmon, the spring is the, you know, spring, early summer, that, that time that we're talking about is the time to go catch awesome. it. Because they are, the, the water is the, like, optimal temperature for them. Yeah. And so... Getting like, you know, six, seven jumps of like four to six feet out of the water is not uncommon. I know, dude. I've you know had a jump up over my head before. Yes, yes. Like, so it's like crazy. It's really cool to see. So they that. have a lot more energy. They just have a lot more energy. Their behavior is different and the fast water. So around Memorial Day, I switch. You know, if it's if it's a cold year, then I, I won't look for super, super fast. But I'll look for a medium pace. Yeah. I'll look for a nice medium pace that maybe it's a big pool that has a medium pace going through it, you know, so you can tell it's kind of a pool, but usually the water level is a tad high just because, you know, you got spring runoff and stuff. So usually it's coming down from, from that spring runoff. So it's still a touch high from its, you know, it's uh, June levels, I guess, you know, so the pools that are nice and slow are typically medium paced, yeah. you know? And so I look for that. I look for a place where salmon can kind of has a lot of food going by its face and, I'm pretty sure brook trout won't be sitting there. Yeah. You know, because you just don't find a lot of salmon mixing in with brook trout come that time. They start to separate out. You know, yeah. during the smelt run, I, they're pretty much mixed in together. Yeah, you're right. They're in the same area. Yep. But once the sucker spawn happens and after that, you start to catch them in different areas. Yeah, I agree. With and, that. and so. Yeah, so I definitely look for medium-paced water, I would say. You right, know, and what's cool is, like, you're like, okay, listen, yeah. I would like to catch. Some people are like, I just like to catch anything today. Right. But if you're getting to a point where you're like, I really want to target just salmon or yeah. just brook trout, you can look for those different types of water, you know, faster sure. versus slow. Yeah. And what, what type of bugs are they eating that time of year? That time of year, you know, that time of year, that Memorial Day, early June so many things are starting to hatch. Mayflies, big one. But there's so many mayflies and there's so like a few caddis are starting, like not a not a whole lot, but maybe just a couple trickles. So I don't think they're very selective. Um and also they haven't seen a lot of emergers or nymphs or anything that by then. So I don't think they're too picky. I often will fish like a heavy stone nymph. 
and trail a uh, soft tackle behind it. Yep. And that is so killer for me. I almost don't want to share the secret because it's just... I mean, they're two really basic flies. Ridiculously killer in, you know, late May, early June for salmon. Yep. And the soft tackle, like my turkey tom there that I tied, that one is just an all-around looks buggy. Yeah. You know, no, I, I wouldn't say it's a particular bug that I'm trying to match. It's just an emergency. Well, it's crazy. Insect, and I've know. seen your turkey tom pattern and like, you know, I used to tie a, tra- a lot of traditional just, you know, mm-hmm. partridge in whatever color, green yeah. or yeah. gray or black yeah. or brown. And, um, but I do find that my soft tackles that have some sort of tail to them mm-hmm. actually do a little better than yeah. those ones that are just like a, uh, like a thread wrap with a wire or something. Yeah. Well, when you look at you know, when you look at an emerging insect, right, they have the husk. Like, there's, like, two parts to it almost. Yeah. There's the part that's emerging and then the part that is, like... That's the tail, the That's husk. let go, yeah. right? And that tail is, like, imita- people think it's... It's crazy to me that that's selective, though, and that quick of a water that they're in. You know well, what I mean? you know, it's like, they, it's, they've been developing for, you know, thousands and yeah. thousands, you know what I mean? But people yeah. think the tail is trying to imitate a tail, and it's not. It's trying to imitate... Like a husk or the, sh- the, the the tail shuck or something. It's not trying to imitate like a mayfly tail, right? You know. So it's almost like you're you're almost doubling the bug's real size, yes, right? Right. Like the length of their body, right? Because they do, and like again, I always tell everyone this: if you like go down there and just sit with a go- goggles and a snorkel and look upstream in really fast water, like what you would consider really fast if you're fishing for trout and salmon, you can see stuff coming by. You know what I mean? And we're not adapted to live in that environment. No, we don't but, live there all day. But you can still make, you're like, oh, that was something. I just saw something. You know yeah. what I mean? So if we can make that out in what I would consider, you know, almost whitewater, you know, where there's definitely waves and whitewater. If we can make that out, they're like. They're keyed in. They're right? obviously so, you know, they yeah. can see it way better. And they see things from way far away. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. So in that time, I, I really go with a lot of nymphs and with salmon like I try to use a little I always try to add a little bit of like brightness to my patterns like either whatever that's a yellowtail or like the caddis larvae that I'm using is really bright green yeah, or something I agree you know with what that. I mean so I that. they don't like kind of drab and natural so much yeah I you know I just have never they like a little flash right yeah a little flash like something like a you know, Rainbow Warrior, fantastic salmon oh pattern. Yeah. A that's uh, a late summer salmon summer yeah, uh, late summer salmon pattern for me usually. Lightning Bug, that's another good one. I yep. use that one all the time. Just things that like sparkle. You know, yeah. they're like they they love things. They that like sparkle. shiny things. Yes, man. they do. They like shiny <laughs> things. You they they. I don't want to make them sound stupid, but they do. They like shiny, yeah, things. shiny things. So just in the. All right, so we're talking about the spring. We're talking mm-hmm. about kind of early spring. And then uh, before we get to kind of dry flies, I think it would be good to talk for a minute about the history of landlocked salmon. So um, I don't know a lot about it personally, but I do know that obviously they're like the cousin of the Atlantic salmon. Mm-hmm. And basically, I'm assuming because of the Industrial Revolution with dams and stuff like that, at one point they got landlocked. That's how they got their name, right? So there was uh, there was original populations in Maine, not not 
because Nothing of the dams, Atlantic salmon. right? And they know they're from the Atlantic salmon. They're the same species. So sure. Atlantic salmon, the sea run, and the landlocked form are the same exact species. They share the same um, DNA, and landlocks possess the capability to be sea run, but they uh, somewhere along the line, one of them stayed in a lake and never left. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. And so that sure. sort of started the landlocked tradition. And you see this, too, with steelhead out west. There are some landlocked rainbow populations that developed from steelhead. That makes sense, yeah. So it's it's not uncommon, and it's a good way to hedge your bets. So, like, let's say um, there's an epic collapse in the ocean. Well, your genetics are still alive because they stayed behind in the fresh water. You know, so it's a good way to hedge your bets if you're talking genetics. But So there was only um, a few rivers. I, I can't remember. I want to say three three rivers that held landlocked salmon in Maine. And there was really one... While there was still a kind of a booming Atlantic yes, population. Yeah, so there's only there's only three... Because Atlantic's, correct if I'm wrong, but they used to be able to go all the way up like to Farmington, right? Yeah, oh yeah, like far, like all the way Before up the, dams, the West Branch. So. Like the, the West Branch of the Penobscot, they'd go yeah, all the way up there, crazy, you know? So, crazy. so there, was, there was very few populations, you know what I mean? There's very few limited populations. They definitely weren't throughout the state like they are now, that's only due, a lot of the populations that we know today and we think are good salmon fisheries are not native. A lot of them are stocked. Yeah. So um, there's only a few that are native. And so... But then with a lot of holdovers, though, because I don't think we stock salmon yeah. as much as we stock trout, like well, trout in the state. Well, no, no. I mean, yeah, they're, you know, they're native populations now, but I'm talking originally. Sure. So we put them there in, you know, the 20s, the yeah. early 1900s. And then they developed, and we said, "Oh, they they're doing quite well. We don't need to touch them or whatever." But so they're not native to a lot of places. I think people would be very very surprised at where they are not originally. You know, they're not originally living there. We had to put them there, and then they just did very well. So now they're native. You know, right. we, we would consider them native now, but they're native or wild. I it depends. So if you're talking like. Uh, I go back and forth on those terms so much. Wild and native, they're interchangeable basically, but people want to, if you're like a fish biologist, then you have different definitions for them. But, you know, for me, like, and for anyone out there, a native fish is one that was always in this state. Yeah. Has before, been here, before humans. Has been here since day one yeah. Yeah. and has always been here. And so for us, that's, you know, brook trout, salmon, um, Pickerel, some pickerel, you know, things of that nature. And wild would be a population that reproduces on its own in a river without the help of humans. Okay, makes sense. So, you know, again, they're interchange. you know what I mean? If for the, it it's, not, it's not a big, it's not a big... No, it's not a huge debate no, topic no, or something, but... but. There's so, two different terms that you've seen. Sometimes like, ooh, wild brook trout or ooh, native brook trout. Right, like, right. Yeah, it's like, ooh, oh, yeah. Which yeah. Is it? But, but right, right. Doesn't and then, really matter. No, no, it really doesn't. And it's then, sufficient put it in the net. Right. <laughs> the uh, salmon, all right, came, they started developing like 12,000 years ago. That's when they started developing their sort of landlocked 10,000 years ago, right around there. And that's when they started developing. And since then, they have always held, and I find this to be true today, a connection to the Atlantic salmon. Yep. And I think their behavior matches Atlantic salmon very well if you know anything about fishing for Atlantic salmon. And so if you are an Atlantic salmon fisherman, 
you can pull a lot of the same techniques and sort of behaviors and apply it to the landlocks, which makes sense because they share the exact same genetics. You know what I mean? So it would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And if you know Atlantic salmon fishermen, their flies are typically very bright. Mm-hmm. Very bright. Yep. And I pull a lot of that into my landlocked fishing and find that it too is true. They yeah. like bright colors for whatever yeah. reason, more so than I would say brook trout. You yeah. know, they like, like shiny things. They, yeah. So that's a little history lesson, I suppose. There, I, I wish I, point, I wish that I could remember the original lakes that they uh, sort of established a landlocked population, and I can't remember well, what, what it is. Well, but. Maine is Maine is what one of what three states with with native landlocked salmon in the country? I have no idea. It's one of. It might be one or two. I mean, New, New Hampshire, New Hampshire, does. yeah, New Hampshire. I gotta feel like Mass has some sort of population. Vermont, maybe I don't know. Vermont must. They must. If New Hampshire does, it's so a great question. That's a that is a great question. But it, but at the end of the day, I think of all the states that do have it, which again is is not many. It's less than five. I gotta I gotta imagine. Um, they uh, are you fact checking me right now? I know I'm fact checking myself. <laughs> Well, I feel like Maine has the biggest population in the United States. Oh, yeah. And Without a doubt. We yeah. have ones that get huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking six, seven pound ones. And we're talking rivers. I mean, the lakes. And Greg and I don't really troll much, so we're not going to talk about you know trolling flies. But holy cow, do, do we know some people that do that stuff pretty mm-hmm. regularly? And they catch some big old salmon in lakes um, in ponds, but mostly lakes trolling. There's, you know, wherever you have a small population in a lake, you can get some huge mm-hmm. Salmon by trolling for them, so massive. All right, here's my here's my fact check. So they were found in four river basins. I was wrong with three. It was four, and this is prior to 1868, which is when we originally started stocking them elsewhere. All right, so these are the only four river basins where landlocked salmon are native. All right, uh, the Saint Croix, mm-hmm. so West Grand Lake would yep. be one of them, which is now a if you're into salmon fishing a Mecca of salmon. Yep. Um, the Union, uh, Green Lake, which has great lake trout fishing. And I think they might even have an Arctic char population in Green Lake. Very little ones, though. A unique, yeah. It's an That's int- cool. Yeah. The Penobscot, um, they were originally in Sebec Lake. Um, and the Presumpscot, Sebago Lake. So most people call landlocked salmon Salmo, Salar, Sebago. Yeah, because they think that's the original. I mean, there was four of them, so you could maybe call that's it. where a lot of the stock strain came from, though. Sure, right, like that. But that's just what yeah. they. So it's like a subspecies name, you know, for them. Where and do our stock strain come from? That's a great question. I'm not are they sure. Are extreme ones? I'm not they... sure. I have no idea whatsoever. Huh. Um, Cathins Lake in Washington County in 1868 was the first lake to be stocked with salmon. So out of those four lakes. So just imagine, just think about this. Out of those four lakes, everywhere else you've ever caught a salmon is not native to that area. We had to stock it there. Yeah. So like the Rangeley region, there was never a salmon there. Right. You know what I mean? And now they have like prolific salmon. There's a lot. You know, there's yeah. a ton, you know. And yeah. so... A lot of lakes and rivers in western Maine and even stuff in southern Maine, you know, mm-hmm. central Maine. It's all over. Oh, yeah. Maine, it's all over the place. In the county. But it's good. It's, it, it does very well. And yeah. what I often thought about in previous years is like, imagine there was no salmon in the Rangeley region, would the brook trout fishing be better? Mm. You know, they kind of live different lives, so they're not really competing with each other, but still, 
when they're young of year, you know, when they're, you know, half an inch long, they're still kind of in the same area. So yeah. they might be competing with each other then. So I wonder. Um, but it also takes the pressure off of the, yeah, of yeah, the population yes. too, the more you catch one or the other, yeah. right? But you know what I mean? Like, it would be interesting to see, like, you know, what would happen if you removed all the salmon from the Rangeley region? What sure. would happen? Sure. I don't know. You know, I wish I could go back to... 1865, you know, and fish the Ranger region. Imagine that. Back when they had panics running up there. Too. Yeah, you know, you see some Atlantics buzzing around. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> uh, so, um, so that's our. There's your history, history lesson. lesson. Yeah, of uh, of the landlocked salmon. And dude, they're just they're just like they're like a exciting fish, right? Like mm. people love catching brook trout. Like, oh, they're beautiful. They got great colors on them. Mm-hmm. People like the white fins. You know, little little yellow spots on them, but. People love catching salmon because yep. they give you a fight, right? Yeah. They, they oh. kind of give you a little show, and uh, it, it's exciting to people. So if you've never fished for landlocked salmon before, and you've never been to Maine to fish for them, come here, fish for yeah. them. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, they give you, you know, they just they give you a great show. Mm-hmm. Um, I I almost it's funny I started watching some some fly fishing stuff a few years ago, like with tarpon. Yeah. And then how they jump, and you're supposed to put the rod tip down when yep. they jump. And I've started doing that with salmon now because oh, yeah. I've lost a lot of salmon by keeping a really high rod tip when they jump. So Absolutely. it's all that slack kind of comes, and then it straightens out. Yeah, and 100%. Breaks you off, right? Did you read my Instagram post the other day? Nope, I didn't. I posted Sorry. about it uh, <laughs> a while ago. A lot of people had no idea. Uh, they call it bowing to the king. Right, they, that's what they call the tarpon. Right? And you're right, I do the same thing because especially in the time that we're talking about right now, that like – Late spring, early summer, you know, so June, you know, first couple weeks of June, they just, it's like, it's it's like they don't want to be in the water. Yeah. You know what I mean? They want to be out of the water and it's just like, what is going on? You got to be really aggressive when you're reeling then too though. You can't just be like lazy about it. Oh yeah. Just like start cranking on the reel. Like. Absolutely. You got to turn rod, left, right, Mm -hmm. upstream, point at them, all kinds of things. Like, like it's a. Especially a big one. It's a process. Yeah. 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 The little ones, you know, like I see people take a long time with a 14 or 15 inch salmon because it's jump, it's going crazy. Yeah. But like you can really get it in quick. The bigger ones though, you know, like you really got to be careful. You got to respect They're, them. I'll say this. It's, I've lost so many salmon over 20 inches. Yep. I haven't lost that many brook trout over twenty inches. Yep. And that's the dip. That's what makes me like chasing salmon more than chasing brook trout. Is that there's a very good chance if you hook into a big one that you are not going to land it. <laughs> like it's going to pop off, especially in the early summer because it's going to jump like ten times and be a hundred feet away from you. You yep. know, and you're like, I I can't even see it. You know, brook trout never are more than twenty feet away from you. You know what I mean? They're always yep. right out front of you. And so salmon are just. I got a you know. I got a funny big salmon story. You and I said we were going to share a yes, couple salmon yeah, stories, so yeah. I'm going to share mine. I uh, I was fishing this spot, uh, pretty popular spot, but um, it's a spot where you really can only have one or two guys out there. And mm-hmm. uh, there was a guy fishing out there, and uh, I just kind of watched him for a little bit, and he wasn't having so much luck. And he says to me, he says, "You want to come out here and try?" And I said, "If you don't mind, you know." And and so I went out, and uh, I think I was just fishing. Uh, caddis pattern dry I didn't even have a dropper on time and I uh, I hooked into a really nice salmon and I had him on for like two minutes and he was going downstream upstream downstream upstream like all over the place and uh, 
the guys watching me, he was getting all excited. I mean, they're an exciting fish to catch. Like, they really <laughs> yeah, are. Yes. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. he was a super animated guy. Um, I won't say his name or anything, but wicked nice guy. And mm-hmm. he, uh, I came to know him after that pretty well and stuff. So, um, but he, he goes, he yells out to me and he goes, Oh mama. He goes, hold on son. That's the biggest one I've seen in weeks. And I'm, I'm like, just like, Oh God, I gotta, I gotta land this thing. I gotta yeah. see it, you yeah. know? Right. And, um, I look and my line is like a good, like 40 feet down river. And then I see this huge fish just jump like 60 feet upstream of me. Like, and I'm going, I think that's the fish. I think that's my fish. And let's be honest, what happened was my line, he wrapped me around some sort of log. Sure. Right? Yeah, sure. Most likely a log. Yeah, and yeah. then uh, it, it was gone. If that's what you want everyone it, to think, that you can tell them that. That's, oh, that's crazy. <laughs> I don't know how big the fish is. I'm not going to play that game where sure, I was like, oh, sure, it was sure, this sure, big, sure. this big. But sure. it, was, it was a big fish. It was a big one, yeah. And, uh, this was back in my more inexperienced days, mm-hmm. but man, was I just like jacked up. I yeah. mean, listen, this oh, is yeah. 10 years later right. yeah. and I still have this memory of this, right? Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. It's pretty cool. The, um, they, 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 the best stories, you know, that I have, a lot of them are salmon. Yeah. You know, a lot of them are salmon and. Cause you lose them a lot. Oh, you lose them all the time yeah. cause they're so crazy, you know? Yeah. So it's like. They're they're not hard to fool, you know. Like they're they're willing to take a fly, um, and so you you know you get so many chances at them, you know. But rightfully so, I guess, because you do lose a lot of them. I mean, you're using little flies a lot of time, and they're jumping out of the water. Like it's very easy for them just to come unbuttoned, and they're in quick water. Right. So you know, with salmon in June. You catch a 14-inch salmon in really quick water, it's like catching a 16-inch brook trout in the calmer water, sure. you know? So, like, the fight that they have is just more intense. It is, It's yeah. more intense. And the water, you just have that. You have to fight the water. You have to fight the current. Yep. So that adds quite a bit, so. All right, let's go back to, let's go back to our progression real quick here. So we were kind of talking uh, early June, right? Like, kind of early season-ish still. Mm-hmm. Uh now we got dry flies kind of coming alive. What's your what's your favorite kind of flies and techniques to go to? Let's call it like mid June through like just past July fourth or something like that, like that time of year. So the hot time of the year, you can catch any fish in Maine that time of year. Yes, to that's be a, honest. yeah, that's a good time to go. Caddis is king for salmon. Mm-hmm. Caddis is king, and like you know, with other trout, I find that I fish mayflies a lot for other trout. You know and brook trout especially but salmon i don't i f- don't find in the spring that i fish mayflies a lot for them i don't know why i just don't i don't know why maybe it's because the places i'm looking at aren't aren't conducive to Dude, they like fly. a bug with action on them yes so i think cat- they do like they don't love dead drifted stuff you yes know? caddis are psychos they're the psychos of the bug world so you know yeah. they, they hatch quickly i call them the adhd kids yeah. of the world yes they yes very yes <laughs> so you know, that time of year, um, I use only a few caddis. I have a very few that I use because they work. Um, but all of them are really good skating patterns for dries. So what I mean by that is you cast it out, you you know, and at some point I'm going to lift my rod tip up. And that will create almost like the the fly is skiing on the water. Yeah, and it and creates it will, a little wake. It creates a little wake yeah. behind it. But it's not going like straight downstream. It's like coming sideways. Across, back, right, across. across. And so basically what I like to do is cast upstream about, you know, 45 degree angle upstream. 
let it float down, try to keep my line nice and straight, and then when I'm 45 degrees downstream, I'll lift my rod tip up just a little bit. Not a lot, because then it yanks it right out, but just a little bit as you're going, and it just skates it that last, you know, 15 degrees before you have to sort of cast again. So that I find is really, really effective. You get two types of fishing. You get a dead drift for a good amount of time, and then you get a skate. Yep. So... You're kind of varying it up. But I also find that mm-hmm. if you're not a very good um, caster, you're not very good at presenting it, mm-hmm. that salmon can be fish that you're going to hook into more often because they don't necessarily need that sweet, perfect dead drift, right? Like, no, not always. They don't need the mending and the mm-hmm. high sticking and all that. Yeah, they're aggressive. And what I find that's funny about that, though, is like you often have an inexperienced angler who's got a really kind of poor presentation and then they they end up hooking into a fish that you have to be experienced to land. To land, though. right? Yeah, yes. <laughs> like yeah. you can't play a salmon right. not knowing what you're doing very no. easily. Yeah, it's, you it's, can't just like let slack line yeah. go. Yeah, because they're yeah. they're gone. I but, don't have a lot. Of, let me put it this way: I don't have a lot of new new clients who mm-hmm. do well with salmon. Yeah, it's tough. They're, they do better with brookies. It's it's well, you know, like you said, salmon they're tough to catch. Brookies just dig their face into the ground. Yeah, you know. So like, right. when you're catching a brook trout, you know, so you. You hook into a brook trout, and you can just sit there for a moment. Yeah, just hold them. And you can just hold them there because yeah. they're not going to run. They're just right. going to sit there. And the minute their head comes above the water, they've almost submissed. Right. It's like, right. It's like, all right, come Submitted. and take me. You know, come and take me. And with the salmon, if you're just holding on, like, it's just going to pop right out. Yeah. Right? you got to do a lot of things as you hook into the fish. Yeah. You know what I mean? And well, you so, got to give them slack sometimes, right? Sure. You, I mean, you got to do something. you got to put them on the reel if you can. Yeah. Definitely, line management is huge for salmon fishing, especially dries, because they it's it's like they hit it and they know, and they're like, well, shit, I got you know I got fooled again, and yeah. now I just need to book it. So like, if you have forty feet of slack line, you're just like trying to fight that. So line management is huge with with salmon for sure. So if you're fishing for salmon, particularly dry flies, make sure that you minimize how much line is dangling by your side. Sure, you know. Because the quicker you can get that fish on to the reel, the better. The better chance. You know, then your drag kicks in and you're good to go. You know, so, yeah, so line management. But caddis sizes like 14 to 20. I'll toss 20s out there every now and then. I find that salmon are very, very easy to read when they're hitting dries. You basically just need to look around, shake a tree, and catch a few bugs and then... Put it next to one in your fly box, you know, and yep. that's for most fish. But when salmon are feeding on top, it's very obvious. So don't try to outsmart yourself. A lot of people try to do that. They try to like think, oh, this bug, you know, it needs to be better and bigger, different than everyone else's. But with salmon, if you can just match the hatch, like you don't need to fool yourself. You could, you know, from that time to February, you could use a blue winged olive size 18 and catch salmon every month of the year. Are you dropping something off of that a lot of the time, though, or are you just kind of leaving it? I Just that. I do sometimes, probably 50-50. Yeah. You know, 50-50. It depends on... Salmon are great, too, because they give away what's hatching and what they're eating. So if you're in, let's say it's, you know, June 25th, you're out on a river, and you see these, like, aggressive, quick splashes... Right. Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been in the river, and it's not like somebody threw a like a boulder. In yes, the river. not a boulder, but yes. like a good sized rock in the river, and you're like, what the hell? What are you that? doing? They are yeah. attacking emerging caddis. Mm. They're not hitting the adult dries. 
So they're just porpoising out trying to get it before it goes it gets away, right? Yes, because they caddis basically what they do is they um, they hatch from the bottom and they book it up as quickly as possible. Yeah, and then once they hit the surface, like boom, they're gone. So salmon know that, so they have to go super quick. So when you see them like going crazy on top of the water, they're not hitting the adult dries; they're hitting the emerging insects. So that is the time when I would trail. Uh, a dry fly with an emerger. Yep. Right? If you see them more lazily, kind of like like coming up, still quick, but more like bloop. Yep. That's when they're probably hitting the adults that are yeah, like just dead drifting down, you know? Right. And I then, don't see that as much of them. Though. No, you don't. I just see them like, I, get them, I get them to take my uh, emerger way more than way my more, dry. Way more. And um, they'll play that tug of war game with you sometimes as you're kind mm-hmm. of at the end letting it swing across. Yes, for sure. And then, like, you know, the the other caddis form that you really want to try to match is the egg-laying one. Mm. Caddis, like, you've seen it. I'm sure you've seen it. They're, like, dancing on the water, yeah. just dropping down really quick. That's a good time to do what I call the twitch method. And basically, you cast your dry fly out. And instead of the dead drift, you just twitch the tip of your rod tip a couple times. And your dry fly will just, like, shake a little bit yeah. in the and water. Yeah, it'll sit. And then it will sit, and, and then, then you shake it a little again. bit, and then it, and that is so. If you see caddis bouncing on the water, sort of, you know, they're dropping eggs. That's a good time to try that method. So it's the best time of day that time of year. Oh well, if you hit it right, it doesn't really matter. Right, you know that when like second or third week of June can be really magical. Usually getting the caddis apps in the morning and the afternoon that time of year. Usually, or then even in the evening. Yeah, and then once once the caddis go full bloom. You know, so by the fourth week of June, yeah, you can throw a caddis all day. You can throw a dry fly all day long if you wanted to, or you could throw an you know an emerger all yeah. day long. You know, yep. the big hatches are obviously morning and night, but, um, but you know, once the caddis start hatching, like again, it's in the mind. Yeah, like the salmon know this bug is everywhere and it tastes good and it makes me feel good. <laughs> you know, so I need to eat it. You know, so uh, you can throw one all. All year and and uh, or when the hatch when they start hatching. So basically, by that time, I use very variations of like three kinds of caddis: an X caddis, which everyone knows. You know, it's got it's just regular caddis elk hair with like without the hackle with some yeah without the hackle and it's got some antron or McFly fibers or whatever coming out the butt. Yeah. Um. You know. That one, I'll use some variations. A standard one, and I'll just change up the colors to try to match whatever's happening. So, you know, just your, got your elk wing, your hackle. I only use a thread body. That's it. I never use anything other. I just try to make it brown, light brown, you know, just match green, yeah. whatever matches. You don't dub it so much. No, never. Yeah. I dub the um, transition between the thorax and the abdomen. Yeah. It allows that when you cinch down your elk hair. If you put a little bit of dubbing, the elk hair catches really good, so it doesn't spin on you. And then that way, when people go to use it, their you know their flies stay together more than two fish. You know, yeah, the elk, exactly. the, the the wing will stay on. You know, ride upright, which right. is key too. And then so that that's one. And then the other one, um, I sort of I just designed last year, and it was so it worked so well. So yeah. I'm like, oof. So that one, I'll be. That'll be coming out soon. Cool. Yeah, that one's a... A little secret. Yeah, that one's a... It's a 
I can't. I I saw something similar, but with a mayfly, and then just transitioned it to a caddis, and uh, it was. Oh my god, it was wild! I, yeah, it was wild. So cool. that one will be coming up soon. So be on the lookout. Well, for I know it. you're a big salmon guy. You spend a lot of time just targeting them. Yep. You know, you go to spots where you know there's a abundance of them, and you you target them. So the most I, the number one fish that I target is salmon. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, with like it's not even close. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even. No, I didn't know that about you really until this year, and then yeah. all of a sudden, like, man, you are you're the salmon guy. Yeah, it's you're not. Saying? Yeah, so I we. I just find them more fun. I obviously love catching brook trout, yep. but I just find them more fun. Yeah, you know, more. Fun. Not a lot of opportunities to catch them down here in southern Maine, though. No, there are very Watch. few, which is unfortunate. Um, but you know, that's that's the way it goes. Yeah. So you know, so but, so so summertime rolls around. Summertime rolls around. So yep. basically, you have like a month of the caddis, right? Where you, you can basically so the month of July, or actually, we'll say the. Third week of June to the third week of July, it's for me. It's caddis, like yeah. caddis everything. Yeah. Um, because there's so many buzzing around dries, nymphs, emergers. I find that sometimes though, when you get those stone those stonefly hatches and you get them on like the the big stoneflies on top of the water. Yeah. So they'll take those too, though. So you're yeah. They love they love stones and some some bodies they do are. when they start hatching. Yeah. And so stones start hatching. And like the major golden stone hatches is the next segment that you're coming to. So the uh, end of July, yeah, early August, yeah, which is dangerous. It gets to like a dangerous zone because I hate fishing for them in that time of year because the water temps are high. Water we've temps had high. really low water. Yes, in August, the last what ten years, right? Mm-hmm. So, but that last week in July, first week in August, you can see some mega stones not the hatching is when they they don't hatch like other bugs right so stoneflies crawl on the bottom right so they crawl on the bottom and then they crawl up a rock on the shore yep so when stoneflies are hatching like that using a stonefly nymph is much more effective than using a stonefly dry you get them on the swing a lot of the time yes because basically as the stoneflies are crawling they're not good swimmers on occasion, one will get dislodged, mm-hmm. and boom, it'll float up, and then boom, easy picking. So yep. when you – people always think hatch, dry fly. When yep. you see a stonefly hatch, you should probably be throwing a stonefly nymph. Mm-hmm. You see, so a lot mm-hmm. of people get confused. The only time that you want – like that with caddis too, though, sometimes. Yes, it can be, yes. But the only time you want to fish a stonefly dry – is when they are mating or coming back to lay eggs. Yep. So you'll see, you can watch it. Like, I love, it's the coolest thing ever. You'll see one fly from a tree in the woods, dive bomb, really hit the water hard, lay an egg, and then leave. They are bad flyers. Well, they got huge wings. Huge wings. So when they, They're like a swan. So when they hit the water, they get stuck a lot. So they yep. drop their eggs, but they get stuck. Yep. So that's when fish are just like, I just need to see one because it's going to be stuck there for a second, you yep. know? It's vulnerable. So that's, if you see stoneflies coming from the woods and landing on the water to lay their eggs, Ooh. that's the time you should get your <laughs> biggest dry fly and yep. any, like, bright color. Yeah. Yellow, obviously, orange. What do you like, like a stimulator? Or do you go to even, like, the foam stuff, some of the foam dries? I do foam sometimes. I have my own stimulators that I use, um... 
that, but you know, they're no, you know, it, it doesn't even really matter. And no, if you right. if you hit it right, it doesn't really no, matter. No, you're right. Just, just something, something big and, big and gobby bright. And right. Yeah. So no. stimulators are great. Um, I love that time of year, man. They're great. But so that's like end of July. And you, you know, it's quick. The stonefly stuff is quick. It's not long. It doesn't last very long. No. Um, no, it doesn't, unfortunately. So salmon are really only keyed in, but they will be in at that time the fastest water. Mm-hmm. They're not like they're, it's basically, if you think of it on a chart, uh, temperature and velocity of water. Salmon can stay in much higher velocity of water at much higher temperatures than brook trout can. So at that time of the year, typically the water is right on the point, you know, in the mid-60s where you're like, you know, low 60s. Salmon are still like happy as can be at that temperature. Brook trout are starting to get like, all right, guys, like I need to take my sweater off. You know, it's getting a little hot here. So salmon, you can still toss a big hunk and dry last week in July in like white water, you know, current and like, don't be afraid. So oftentimes I I have a good story. So we're at a very famous river for salmon and, um, two of my friends, I took them there. I, I don't know if it was their first time there. I think it was their first time there. And so we're walking back to get lunch and I said, Hey, let's stop and let's hit this stretch. And they laughed at me and they said, there's no fish in there. And so I'm like, oh, yeah? All right. So I go out. <laughs> Here comes the dojo. <laughs> I said, all right. And I'm sorry, not the dojo, the master into the dojo. So I go out. The sensei. It's so fast. You can you can only step like two steps out because it's so, if you go above your knee, like you're just going to get swept away. It's yeah. that fast. It's strong. It's strong. Yeah. And first cast, fish. Second cast, fish. Third cast, fish. And... People pass over this section all the time. Sure. I see them walk right by it. And I'm like, you guys are... And there's actually some... Most of the time, they're a little smaller because it's so fast. But, you know, a 14-inch fish in that is like... It's it's just as good as catching a 20-inch fish. Right. The current is so fast. That's a good fight. So, so yeah. So, so that's the... And then I take a break, basically, from... August to September. Yeah. I don't fish for a- any trout or salmon. I just don't. I just yeah. don't do it. I hear you. It's, it's not worth it. Catch, catch the green fish or yeah. stripers. Right. right. Stripers are buzzing. Right. Bass are, you know, you can go throw a, a frog all day long for yeah. smallmouth in any one of our rivers, you know. Excited to talk about smallmouth at some point, you know, too. Yeah, you love smallmouth. So I do too. I love smallmouth. Yeah. So I take August off. So we can skip August because I would, I would, uh, Ask everyone basically not to fish for them from, you know. August is just a bad cold water fish month. Yes, it For is. the most part. In most parts of the state it is. Yes. And there's only there's a few rivers that are bottom draw dams that the river stays cold all year long. Yep. Those are the only rivers that, and even those in the second, third week of August, the water is on that danger zone, that yep. 67, 68, you know, 69 degrees. So... One of my earliest memories of, uh, like, a not a great fish moment for me was I caught a really nice salmon, mm-hmm. and it was that time of year. Yeah. And uh, it, I couldn't revive it and went belly up. Sad. It's kind of the last fish that I, I think I've actually, like, 
legitimately be like that thing's not going to make it. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And and I I try really hard to avoid that. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. the best way to avoid that is just not fishing in that. Yes, that absolutely. Time of year. So yeah, so uh, you know, second week of August, learn. second, even really just for August, I just I just say no. Yeah. So I would ask everyone, you know. Well, there's no shittier feeling than letting go of a sweet fish you just caught and he's like belly up and you're like, yeah, he's not going to yeah, yeah. make it. So, so, I, so it skips, but it's almost, you know, if you get too much of one thing, then it's, you know, it kind of ruins the, the flavor, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So I take August off and then second week of September, I can now chase my fish again. And yeah, you know, let's, talk about, let's talk about fall. People love catching salmon in the fall, like obviously they're awesome, and they also get this like uh, this like yellow brownish like hue or color to them. Alligator, they and they get like, the kite jaw yes, going. They get big kites. Why get, is all that? What's going on with all that? That's all spawning. Related? All spawning related. So the males, just like brook trout, but they're a little more aggressive. You know, they are a little more active, um, and. The males are just trying to say, hey, look at me. I'm a big, bad dude, you know, and hormones kick in. Different hormones kick in, which cause different coloration. And the kipe, basically a hormone uh, kicks in and starts, you know, the changing of a body part, you know. And it's insane to think about. It would be as if your chin, you know, so come every once a year, your chin would start to wrap up to the top of your nose. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's not like it could just come back. Like, it's a permanent fixture. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's insane. Well, it's so like deer when they rut, right? Like, they're, yeah. they're all antlered up, and they're at their finest. You know, they've right. got rid of the velvet right. at that point, right? And so, the um, they're very similar to brook trout. Oftentimes, where you'll find, um, if, if you have a river with both salmon and brook trout, you'll find them in the same areas. Yeah. Um, because they require the same sort of gravel for spawning. Um, very slightly different, but pretty similar. So if you can find either or, um, you're likely to to um, get into some really big fish. And salmon in the fall, people love chasing them because you get to bring out the Atlantic salmon side of the landlocked salmon and throw colorful streamers at them. Cool. Like you can just chuck... Your Mickey fins of the world. Right? Sure, like oranges, bright reds. reds, yellows, greens, yep. bright blues, bright pinks, bright purples, whatever you can just. But they they almost act like brown trout though in the fact that they're more they're being more like territorial in some ways, right? A lot oh of yeah, time, like get out of my get uh, out of my right, area. get out of my area, and I even think they're just like pissed, like I don't want you here anymore. Yep. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't, I don't want you here. Please get out of my space. I'm gonna bite you. Yeah, I'm gonna eat you. <laughs> And, you know, like, they, you see them do that to, like, large fish. Yeah. Like, so. That's just, like, a smallmouth thing, too. Smallmouth do that, like, crazy. It's it's crazy. So, like, I, this year, um, I go to one spot every year, uh, and I watch more and more each year, and so. You like sight fishing for them. Yeah, big time. It's cool. Yeah. It's cool when you can do that. You're yeah. not fishing that fast water. Yeah, so. Fishing some slower stuff. I have a spot, and there's a bunch of monstrous fish that go there every single year, and I just watch them for a lot. I mean, a lot of the day I'm watching, and I've seen, you know, like a 26 inch salmon bite, like really chomp down on a 20 inch salmon's tail. Yep. You know, and these are like, I have. If people don't believe me. I have photographic evidence, but like, there's like. 
20 there's a few salmon in this pod that come here every year that are like 27 28 29 inches long it's cool to come back so every single it's year to know. so i have spent a lot of time observing their behavior um just watching them because what i found out is that even though people will be like oh well they're in spawning mode so they don't feed or you know they're, they're geared up to spawn but that's not true that's not true at all they feed in very very narrow windows yeah and you They're have not there to, to feed so much. Yes, you just have to be able to pick up on the behavior when they change. You can sense it, and you can kind of see it in their behavior. Yeah. They, you know, when you're fishing in the fall, and you see a fish chasing another fish, and then you try to cast a fly at it, you're just, you're an idiot. Because <laughs> that fish has not, it literally could care less about your fly. You know what I mean? It could care less. Instead, you for should... those of you who try that tactic, by the way, Greg just called you an idiot. So. <laughs> I okay, I'll, I you are an idiot, and I was an idiot. I used to do that, right? right. Like, and I've seen people do that. Right, I'm speaking from experience. I am still an idiot. Just a disclaimer. So, the the fish, you need to look when they are basically dormant. Look for when they're dormant, when they're not moving around. Yep. that's when they're like, I'm ready to eat. Okay, I'm ready to eat because wherever they are in the fall, they're still current. They're still mm-hmm. current. Bugs are still coming by. They'll still hit a blue-winged olive. Yeah, because you, cause you're not just fishing streamers for them this time of year. No, I pretty much... It's late October for those of you who... I, um... later. I... So, two days ago, I caught a salmon on a blue-winged olive. Yeah. And I'm going to go fish tomorrow morning for salmon. And it's... What's the day today? October 30th. October 30th. Uh, the first fly that I will throw tomorrow morning is a size 18 blue-winged olive. Yep. It's supposed to be... 30 degrees, and little BWOs will be on the water. And yep. salmon will probably be picking them off. Yep. So I typically use a lot of dry flies. I try to stay away from, uh, like, dredging a three-nymph setup Yeah. for obvious reasons because you're just going to snag them because they are just sitting there, you right. know. Um, if you want a nymph, that's totally fine, you know, like whatever. But um, avoid the triple nymph setup on, you know, in a three foot when pool, potted up, yeah, right? In a yeah. three foot pool with a seven foot strike indicator, yeah. you know, like you know, I avoid that. But snagging's not cool, and the no. and the folks of Instagram have let everyone know that. Yes, right. Sure. That is, and I think it's that's been a po- hot, hot twenty twenty topic. I think it's a positive thing. I agree. I agree. People who people who snag, they they should be publicly shamed and run, you know, brought through the gutter and it's a terrible thing. I've, I've, I'm not a big reporter, but I've reported people for snagging before. Yeah, it's, of course, because you see it does, people do do it and they, and you know what, they know it's wrong. They know it's wrong, but the, the need to catch a fish of great size overwhelms their morals, their ethics, it It, it overwhelms and it does happen. So, and you know what? When I was a kid, like a young kid, and I did some stupid stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like with a rod and reel, like I'd go out and be like, you know, see something happening. Like, oh, you know, I'm just like, th- you know, throwing these fish on a bank, taking a picture and then throwing them back in the water. You know what I mean? Like, so I used to do stupid things, but my hope is that they learn, you know, they learn. So I've learned. I've done stupid. I just of course. Told Who you hasn't? Who hasn't done? We have you know, and- who hasn't done super learned things? and unfortunately, well, what's funny about it is when you and I learn though, there's no like social media for people to just be like, 
what the hell are you doing? Or yeah, that's true. Did you it snag was, that fish? Or why did you put that on the bank? Like there's so much, yes. there's so much criticism now that people go, oh my god. Yes, like, agreed. Calm down. <laughs> agreed. And I feel like you and I can never go through an episode without talking about social. No, media. well, it's it's it's. <laughs> You know, it's uh, it's prevalent. It's prevalent. It's out yeah. there. It can be a great tool. But anyway, so back to fall salmon. I use dries a lot. Blue-winged olives are my primary dry. It's cool. Midges are also my primary dry. Yeah. So black midges, basically a zebra midge but with wings. Uh, blue-winged olive parachute, um, you Love know, it. with – yeah, so even a clink hammer – Blooming olive, yeah, is also great. Yeah, um, it's a fly I love. For streamers, I don't want to give any suggestions because I, it it's so hit or miss. So I don't want to be like, oh, you need to use a you know a ragged smelt or you know a, a Mickey fin because you can use a Mickey fin one day and it works great, and then you use a hot bead leech the next day and it works great, and yeah. it's like, well, which one do you pick? And it's like, well, I don't know. It depends on the day, and you know, I that question I think is. So silly. I always find it silly. Like, what's your favorite streamer? It's like, well, the one that catches fish that day. That's right. my favorite streamer. You know, like, I, I, in the fall, I would advise if you're fishing for salmon to use a lot of flies. Yeah. A lot. Like, yeah, you're going to go through a lot. And a lot. I know what you're saying this time of year. My little patch, mm-hmm. it gets loaded. Loaded. Yeah, loaded. <laughs> I got tip it all over the place. Yeah. I got flies all over the place. Because you could catch 10 different fish. On 10 different flies. It's very true. It's very true. So in the fall, yeah. areas to look for, you know, basically in rivers, they'll be in a little slower current. Mm-hmm. They won't be in that super fast stuff because yeah. they're sort of gearing up to, you know, it's the pre-spawn era. So these are like lake salmon though a lot of the time too. Like, yeah. Yeah. Even, even. Even like you're not gonna you're not gonna find you're not gonna find these same salmon there in July or June even no in some of these rivers probably uh, well maybe a little bit in June but probably probably not yeah in June yeah but not you're right July they would move yeah. there's a few rivers that hold salmon all year and even those fish will move to slower pockets during the fall they'll yeah. still be in their normal haunts but they'll be you know they'll seek out the bigger ones at least will seek out slower pockets as they're making their way to wherever they need to go yeah. you know so be on the lookout for that i'd say that medium to slow pace again it's so cool. it kind it's of cool too though like different parts of the state you'll fish for them and you'll see like or maybe it's just different times of year but i mean you get that blue like cheeks on some of them sometimes oh like crazy blue but then in the fall you'll get they almost look like a brown trout like like they're yellow gold like yeah. gold they they go from like in the spring they're silver Right. And then in the fall, they're like gold, yeah. you know? And it's just like, just awesome. It's cool fish, It's just man. awesome, yeah. I so, and then after, so let's say, so you go through the fall, right? You chuck in streamers, dry flies. That's really all I chuck for them. And then after the fall, you come into, you know, November. Yeah. Which is where we're headed now. Yeah. And... Typically by, you know, mid to late November, they're, they're pretty much, they've done everything. They've done their spawning. They're all set. And there's only a few places that you can target them. Um, Lots of closes. In the state, right. A lot, everything's pretty much closed, you right. know, so. And then some of them drop back to the lakes for yes. the winter. But if you know where to go to target them in November um, and December and January and February. I know. We fish for them. Then. That's in the winter. Um, I would say one bring hand warmers, <laughs> and two, use incredibly small flies. Yeah. 
like size, whatever you need it to get down, you know, I don't care, but your trailer, which is, you know, your primary target, no bigger than size 20. I hate yeah, to say it. No, like no bigger than size 20. Always you know? fun to tie on when your fingers freezing too. Yeah. So <laughs> tip what? for, tip for, uh, bring a thing of, uh, like wax or, you know, like beeswax. Um, you can get it in a little can or something and you can put that on your guides yep. and that will stop them from freezing. That's a good idea. So that's a decent one. Or pan. You can take a pan. Spray pan. And spray, yeah, spray yeah. it on it. That some works sort of as well. Olive, some sort of oily substance. Yep. Um, so, yeah, size. Like in, you know, January, I rarely, 18 is the biggest thing I will yep. use. Like I have a whole box that's just winter salmon flies and it's, it's a small box. It's like this big and there's no, you know, 18, 20s, 22s, 24s, 26s, yep. and 28s if you want to. That's crazy stuff. There, it's <laughs> they do eat them though. They eat them. I know they it, eat them. What a funny story I kind of have is one year I got a call uh, on Christmas Eve. It was like my third year guiding. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm done. Like November is the latest I've usually done trips usually, and I get a call from these guys and they say, "Hey, you know, there's no. We came up here to ice fish. We love to fly fish, but we came up here to ice fish, and there's no ice. It's one of those years where it's just been really warm mm-hmm. in December, and they're like, can you take us fly fishing?' And I was like. I don't know. I was like, listen, I, yeah. we can try them. Like, are you guys going to get cold? Like, I'm like, listen, an hour and a half, your heels are frozen usually. Yep. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and you got to get out of the water a lot just to warm up. And mm-hmm. I, uh, but I said, if you really want to go, I'll, I'll take it. And they're like, well, they're like, yeah, we'll give it a go. And what was funny was I went and scouted like three days before. Yeah. And there's fish rising every, everywhere, four or five minutes yep. or whatever. And I'm going, the heck are they taking and so i i just tied on like the smallest little parachute dry i have yep. and i ended up hooking into one on yep. a dry two yes. days after christmas yep and i was like it's just funny to me because it was like that doesn't seem possible that I guess. they hit dries i told someone that the other day and they were like no they don't and i was like well you're missing out yep. because they hit dries in january and february and december it's true so there's still those midges coming off or those those, oh. those little stones those Sometimes so you have little, little black, black stones. stones. You have yeah. the midges hatch all year, and yeah. blueing dolls pretty much hatch anytime the weather gets above thirty six. Yeah. There's a BWO in the water. What's funny is when I brought the guys out, mm-hmm. we we said listen four hours max. Mm-hmm. We only lasted a little over two, mm-hmm. but uh, there was no fish rising at all that day, of course. Yeah, and uh, we did end up catching two fish oh, on nymphs, and I was pretty excited about that. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> They gave me a bunch of deer kielbasa as a tip that day, nice. which is pretty funny. That's, that's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a good cool. one. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Interesting. The story. um, yeah. So that so that is my strategy for the year for, yeah, for salmon. You know, and I'll say this. You know, when I first started really getting psychotic about them, I didn't I didn't have good success. I they were. You know, I got into them, but not like crazy. Like I didn't have any forty fish days. You know, yeah. and it was salmon. I think unlike brook trout, really, but with salmon, you can have like a forty fish day. Yeah. Well, you have them like, now. I mean, you've you know, yeah, yeah. So you love it. You, you you go and target them. Like you don't right. just go, hey, there's brook trout and salmon in here. Let's see what we do. You're like, hey, I'm going to catch salmon. Yes. So it's um, it takes a little bit of time, but once you figure it out, it becomes more obvious everywhere you go. You're like, so like you know when you go to a river, you're like, ooh, that's a great brook trout hole, you know? And I'm yep. like, 
that's a great salmon stretch. Yep. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> I like, they're, it, you pick up, you start looking at the water differently. Yep. And you're like, where should my fly be? And, you know, for me, it's like salmon spot every yep. single time. And so, I mean, of course, I, you know, love brook trout, nothing against it. But, you know, um, yeah. So, I'd say my biggest tips for people who are looking to catch salmon, uh, one, don't be afraid to get into, like, the fastest of water. Yeah. Because they are there, you know. Get your fly down, but and they're not like leader shy. Like you can use four X, like yeah, three X. Yeah, I'm a big three X, four X guy. I hardly ever go smaller than four X unless if I'm doing some small droppers or something. Right. Yeah. 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 Same. Yeah. I'll do. I usually do like if I'm nymphing for salmon in really really fast water, I'll do four X to like a heavy stone, and then five X to you know size eighteen caddis nymph larvae or something like that. You know. Um, But yeah, so quick water. Look for faster water. Um, don't be afraid to throw dries at like psychotic times, which you would think are just abnormal times for for salmon because they will hit them, especially if they're blue winged olives. Yeah, <laughs> and um, bright brightness. I don't know. They're just wacky. Salmon are just wacky. They like know. bright things. I think it's because of their Atlantic salmon heritage, and no one's proven me wrong because they can't because no i mean i theory, catch them on little pink nymphs half yes the time all the time yeah pink blue, like bright blues bright and weird reds colors. and pinks and yeah yellows and all, all kinds of things so those are my those are my tips cool. and um you know i i love meeting other salmon heads you know like people who are just all about salmon i and, and they're you know, you know it when you see a salmon head, when you talk to them, because they just get so excited about it. Yeah. Because they are just like, a, man, they're just crazy. They're just crazy fish. They're yeah. crazy fish. They, they just go crazy. So, so yeah, so that's my year-round approach, I would say. And it's, uh, you know, I hope that uh, that wraps it up for me, for my, yeah, for my I, approach. I agree. Well, thanks for coming by and talking some salmon. Uh, yeah. This I, is our, uh, I'll go ahead. Yeah, I, I have a salmon story. I'll say my, my last piece before uh, before we head out, all right? So salmon notoriously are fighters right to the very end, like right to the very end, right? So I'm on a trip with two buddies again, different trip, but um, same river actually, but we are... Fishing in this stretch, it's really quick water, really tough to land them, but there's big salmon there. Like, there's honking salmon there. And so my buddy's kind of, he hasn't caught very many, you know, and he's really been working this one stretch for, like, I mean, he's given it, like, a 100 casts, you know. And so uh, we're kind of like, all right, dude, like, you know, let's move on, you know. And boom, he hooks up with a really nice salmon, like in that, you know, 18 inch range and it's really quick water. So it jumps and I'm like, Ooh, that's, that's a nice one. You know, this guy, you know, he's, he's probably feeling the pressure right about now. So my buddy gets up, he's smoking a bowl right on the bank. And so he gets up, he <laughs> so gets, he's in, he's in good shape. <laughs> he's, he's in rough shape. Yeah. He gets up, right. And he goes, Hey dude, I'll, I'll net that for you. Right. Give me your net. So the guy, he's got a four weight, first of all. So, so his, his rod is bent over like he can barely hold anything. Yeah. And so... His wrist is on fire. You know, yeah, his forearm is just pulsating. So he's got it. My buddy grabs his net and he manages to get it close. And my buddy goes to scoop it up. 
scoops it up and like picks it up right above his head, like in celebration, you know, like, yeah, you know, he's holding it up. And the guy's net was a rather shallow net, you know, and as he's holding it up, the fish jumps out of the net and is like 15 feet in the air right now. You know, he's like six, two, he's holding it up seven feet and the fish jumps like six feet. It's so high up and (laughs) fish snaps off, right? Snaps off, goes back into the water. Yep. The guy is still celebrating because he doesn't know what just transpired yet. Yeah. And I'm like dying. The, I'm dying. The bowl <laughs> probably had a little bit of effect there. He's thinking. I'm dying laughing on the bank. And the guy just looks at me and he goes, oh my God. And then he turns to me and goes, where's my fish? And he, I lost it. And yeah. it was just. That's awesome. So always, always, even when the fish is, even when salmon are in the net. Yep. You still have not won the battle yet. It's true. All right. So that's that's my that's, that's my the moral salmon. of the story. Yeah, that's my that's my salmon story. We could probably so. add in there. Make sure that your net man is sober. Yes. Well. Also, yeah. Make sure your net man's not ripping bowls on the bank <laughs> at the river. That's awesome. Uh, oh, that's a good story to end on. Yeah. So, all right. Well, thanks guys for listening to another episode of the Main Fly Fishing Podcast. This is our uh, kind of I don't know what we're calling our mini fish series here. So, uh, be on the lookout for the next one coming here soon. And we hope you guys are still getting on the water. Don't don't give up just because it's uh, getting a little cold outside. This is a fun time to get out there. And as Greg alluded to before, a lot of people are hunting, so our waters are going to kind of get a little more freed up for you guys. So, uh, again, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. <laughs>